Many years ago, there was a show called Law and Order, and then it morphed into all kinds of other Law and Order for this and for that. But the original show, um, uh, it was an interesting title, because I often hear about, you know, a new sheriff came into town, he's a sheriff of law and order. Those two words are put together. But I thought to myself, isn't law order? Uh, doesn't law bring about order? And um, that was the point of the show, I guess, because the show was split in half. The first half was about somebody who broke the law, <clears throat> and the second half were the consequences, the order that would flow from putting that law into effect. So if you broke the law, you pay the consequences. And the courts were the way of making sure that the law was observed. Now, law and order, I mean, we, you know, it, we know it just instinctively. For example, I'll give you a simple law and order. If you come to an intersection and there's a red light, you must stop. It's clear. If you don't, you can get a ticket, you can kill someone or yourself. Very dangerous. Red means stop. If it's yellow, you don't have to stop. You maybe need to slow down or speed up, but you got to do something because it's about to turn red. And once it turns red, you enter that intersection, you broke the law. Now, if it's green, you got to go. And I'm so tired of being behind people who are on their phones, looking at their phone and doing texting, and the light turns green, I'm the first one to honk that horn. Go! Would you go? I'll do it to any one of you. If I get behind you and you don't go because you're reading your phone, expect a honk, okay? Law and order. Now, I'd like you to uh, do a little experience with me. For a moment, I'm going to ask you all to be atheists, okay? Just go with me, all right? Entertain me here, okay? Now, an atheist is not an agnostic. Agnostics say, eh, there may be a God, maybe not. I don't necessarily believe in one, uh, but whatever. We'll see. But an atheist, by definition, doesn't, not only does not believe in God, but believes there is no God. Atheists say God doesn't exist. It's a fabrication. It's ridiculous. We've got to take responsibility for lives, not talk about this God or saint or somebody else doing something. Um, now, I ask you to be an atheist with me for a moment because I'll tell you, I think some atheists are better keepers of the law than Christians and Muslims and Jews because uh, they believe that's all there is. If we're going to have a good life, we've got to have order. And how do you get order? You make laws. Good laws keep good order. Dumb laws do not. Dumb laws hurt people, but good laws help to keep order. Now, I think that these scriptures today are lifting up this concept, but in some really interesting ways. See, the Jews had a lot of laws. If you go back to Deuteronomy and Numbers, there's 613 or 16, I forget which, laws. And they were all believed to come directly from God. Jews didn't have civil law and, and then religious law. Everything was religious. Everything came from God. And the Jews had all kinds of laws, and you've heard them in the Sundays in the past about the Jews had to wash their hands and wash their pots and pans. These were laws of God. And this brought about order. Now, if you stop and think for yourself for, for a moment uh, that you are in a situation that becomes chaotic, say um, 
a bomb goes off and, and a blast, or there's an earthquake, and, and all of a sudden, everything is a mess. What do you do if you're around other people? You decide, what can we do? What should we do? What must we do? Now, they're not laws exactly, but they're laws of common sense. You, you figure out, what is it we can do to make this situation better, to bring about order in this chaos? That's the purpose of law. So we have this scene, Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, they're going to proclaim the laws of God to the people. And so at 6 in the morning till noon, uh, for these six hours, uh, Ezra is there proclaiming God's law. And uh, they build a platform, he gets up on it, and all he does is keep reciting these laws. Now, I can't think of anything more boring than listening to a bunch of laws, but this is what they did. And the people were listening intently, the men and the women and the children who were old enough to understand, it said. But at some point, the people began weeping. They were overwhelmed or scared, I guess, by these laws. And Ezra says, stop it! Don't weep, rejoice, eat and drink and dance. This is a great day of the Lord, to know the laws that the Lord is asking of us. In the responsorial psalm, what we heard and sang was, the law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. That's what the Jews thought. God's law refreshes the soul. It keeps an order that makes it easier to live with one another. And the second reading takes the theme in a little different way because it doesn't specifically speak of law and order, but it does in this way. Last week, we heard the beginning of this theme that there are many gifts in the community. People are called to different things. But today, Paul takes that further and as he describes the body we say the body of Christ, the body, the people of God. He uses the analogy of the human body. And he goes through all the parts, or many of the parts. He says, you know, if, if the body were all eye, it couldn't hear. If it were all ear, it couldn't smell. Each part of the body has a specific task or, or thing to do to serve the body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Every single person here, every single person has something to give. And it's probably different even if it's the same thing. There are singers and then there are singers, right? Anybody can dance, I guess, but some people dance. But there are people who are poetic and people who are philosophers and people who have good sense of order. And every one of these gifts... And Paul mentions them because he's trying to get them to understand that they are, first of all, the body of Christ. But in that body, everyone has a place. Now, the law and order, part of it is this. If you don't listen to the laws of the body, you're going to pay a price. You eat too much, your tummy hurts. You don't eat enough, your tummy hurts. You eat the wrong things, you get sick. If you don't wear a coat and take care to stay away from all kinds of germs, you catch a cold or a flu. That's why we're wearing these masks. We've got a pandemic. Don't do it, and you just may get the virus. So uh, the law of the body tells us we've got to do things and observe things and follow things, keep the proper order if we want the body to work. 
Now, in this context, we hear another reading of a kind of law, the deeper laws, I think. The, the, you know, the atheist follows the laws just to have good order, makes good logical sense. Ezra recited the law because he believed and the people believed that God was asking something of the people, this order so that they could live peacefully among themselves and have prosperous lives. But there is a law that's even more perfect than this. In the most simple form, it's the law of love. In fact, when Jesus was asked several times in the gospel, what's the most important law? He says, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he kind of says, three in one. Love self, love neighbor, and love God. I say, love self, then it's easy to love neighbor, and you are already loving God. For the first letter of John says, God is love. He who lives in love lives in God and God in him. Wherever there's love, there is God. So that is the simplest and I think most perfect expression of the law that God asks of us, specifically Jesus. But if people said to me, what does God want us to do? I said, we all know what God wants. He wants us to live with justice. He wants us to form a world of peace. He wants us to have compassion. He wants us to care for one another and serve one another. He wants us to forgive. He wants us to forgive ourselves. He wants us to seek reconciliation and forgiveness when necessary. He asks a whole bunch of things uh, in the gospel in particular. And we know what we should do. And we know that sometimes it's difficult to do it. Nobody lives it perfectly. Here I've been preaching it for 45 years. And, uh, you know, I, I tell you, I, I'd like every one of you to come up and preach for a month to the whole community here. Try, try it out. It's scary. Because uh, the moment I say a word, people can judge me and say, oh, I don't think you lived that. And I'll admit it first off. I'm preaching not to you. I'm preaching to me, and I'll let you listen in if you want, okay? Because I know what God wants, and I have to keep reminding myself of it and calling myself to it, even knowing that I don't live it perfectly, nor do I live it all the time. But today, in these scriptures, we're catching the will of God, we call it the will of God for us, giving us a law that lifts us, transforms us, and makes a new and a better people. I believe we come here to listen to this word so that we get uh, provoked by it, uh, called by it, touched by it to become a better people. Not just a better person, but a better people, a better church and that we are asked to go out in the world and transform the world by this law, by this word of God. So today, uh, to kind of fulfill this and take this a step further, I'm going to use the uh, fourth Eucharistic prayer called For Various Needs. And this one has a title. It talks about Jesus doing good, doing good. It's a beautiful Eucharistic prayer because right in the midst of this prayer, we hear the example of Jesus, how he lived his life, how he had compassion for the poor, uh, how he stood for justice and truth and peace and right. And I use this Eucharistic prayer, it's my favorite actually, but also because it keeps reminding me, and I think it keeps reminding us of the people, the persons and the people that we are supposed to become. For when we let the word the law of God, transform us. 
It gives us the opportunity and the possibility of transforming the world. And quite frankly, I think the world needs a lot of transformation. And so we open ourselves as God's people, as the body of Christ, to this living word, this living law of God.